Ladies and gentlemen. Good evening. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. You're listening to the Deal Room Podcast. Join us as we bring you the inside scoop on business sales and acquisitions. Get across trends in the area and hear the industry's best recount their real-life tips, traps, and experiences. Now, here's your host, Joanna Oki. Welcome back to the Deal Room Podcast, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. Now, today we have on the show the absolutely amazing Simon Bedard from Exit Advisory, here to talk with me about the critical reasons why business owners are disappointed at Exit. Now, Simon and I get a little bit deep and philosophical here, but we really drive into what that disappointment at exit looks like. Examples that we've seen quite regularly in clients that go through exit without having undertaken proper exit planning in advance. We look at where things can go pear-shaped. We look at all sorts of things that business owners can do early and in advance to line themselves up properly for exit. And some interesting questions that might reveal some insights that they have not previously been aware of. Simon is the founder and CEO of the advisory firm Exit Advisory, as the name suggests, doing a lot of work in exit advice for business owners as they are growing their business and or preparing for exit. Simon has more than two decades of experience in the finance, investment, energy and technology sectors and has worked for one of Australia's largest bank as an investment advisor to high net worth clients and private companies in their institutional banking and global markets division. Simon has an MBA. He's a licensed business broker. He's a member of the Australian Institute of Company Directors. There's almost nothing that Simon doesn't know or hasn't done. Uh, But what I also love is that Simon has walked his own walk and has started, bought and exited companies in the past as well. So he's really talking about this from a deeply personal perspective. And, And this leads to some really interesting insights, I think, in the discussion between Simon and myself today. So anyway, here we go. Buckle in. Simon and I discussing the critical reasons why business owners are disappointed at exit and what to do about it. Simon, I just want to say a massive thank you for coming back on the show again. It's always a super pleasure to have you on the show. Oh, my pleasure, Joe. Thanks for having me. My pleasure, Simon. Okay. Now, today we're digging into the critical reasons why business owners are disappointed at exit. And look, this is a topic that it's really close to my heart, I think to your heart as well, because we see business owners day in, day out, and it's devastating, you know, when they have worked when they've, you know, this business baby of theirs that they've put blood, sweat and tears into has been built on maybe a false premise, you know, false premise because they don't understand value at exit. So, yeah, yeah. well, can I think sometimes it's the old be careful what you ask for because you just might get it, right? Yeah. So, you know, like a lot of this comes down to people not being clear about what they really want. Um, you know, I think, I think, you know, you're right in terms of it being a passionate subject about it, for, you know, for both of us, but we are both people who see a lot of transactions. We're both people who see a lot of people in that space. And there's always a focus, I think, on, you know, what's going on with the business. Mm-hmm. It has the business delivered, um, X, Y, or Z, you know, 
and, and there's so much focus on that that I sometimes, oh, well, not sometimes, wonder. I mean, I see a lot of business owners fail to kind of look at a lot of the personal aspects of, of this entire journey. Mm. Um, you know, I think if I was to go a little bit woo-woo here on you, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I actually am one of these people that believes, like, none of us are actually born to do business, right? Mm. We're actually born to live our life. And so the big question we should all be asking ourselves is, you know, what kind of a life do you want? Mm. And I mean that right down to the how do you want to spend your time? You know, who are the kind of people you want to hang out with? Because, you know, I certainly think about this with our business in terms of the culture we're building. Like if I'm going to spend eight hours or 10 hours or whatever it is a day with people, I want that to be a really enjoyable experience because otherwise it's just too hard. (laughs) I am so with you. It's funny that we're talking about this and getting into this this sort of depth. But but the funny thing is um, I think that the point of exit for business owners sometimes is the first time that they've asked themselves this question. And I actually find that business owners who sell the ones who struggle the most after sale, number one, leading into sale, it will create a massive emotional event that they're not, that they have no idea that they're about to go through. And then the second part is the struggle that can happen after exit. Um, You know, when, when they haven't really taken stock early enough of these questions. So I think you're finding in those situations, people are attaching their sense of personal self-worth to, to their business. Yeah. And so they, they have this existential crisis when they think of their business going off in a direction, different direction and being now owned and operated by someone else. Well, where does that leave me as yeah. a person? Yes. And and so, and look, there'll be plenty of people who listen to this who go, nah, that's not me. I'm not that emotionally hooked to my business. And that's cool. That's that's great. Like this, that's a that's a fairly kind of more extreme end of what we see out there in, in the real world. But it still doesn't mean that just because you're not, personally aligning your personal wealth or sense of self-worth with the business doesn't mean that necessarily the business is still delivering what you want. Yeah. Right. I think it's such an important point because when we're talking about this disappointment at exit, a lot of what can feed it is this feeling that I, as the business owner, have put in so much blood, sweat and tears to build this business. It better be worth a bloody fortune when I exit it, right? Because I've put, I've gone all in, you know, and that is, that is so common, I think. But quite often what happens is, number one, it's an all in without that stepping back and understanding, you know, am I enjoying what I'm building, A, and B, is it an all-in? If I'm not enjoying it, am I at least building something that's got bloody value at the end of the day, right? Because sometimes profit is is confused with value when we all know what quite often it comes back to multiple as well, not just profit, right? Well, it's, it's funny you say that, isn't it? Because, you know, well, well a couple of things on that. I mean, you, you're right about business owners and going all in. And, you know, we often use this expression of, oh, it's my baby. And, and I've literally, yeah. I'm sure you've heard business owners say, this is like a child to me. This is yeah. like another son or a daughter. It's, yeah. you know, and, and let's be honest, no one wants to be told they've got an ugly baby, right? Yes. So, you know, so, so the emotional aspect of that is very, very real. Um, but, but your point coming to the profit and, the, and, and where people put their focus, is a really interesting one because it's, it's something we're talking to our clients a lot about in that, you know, in my head, and I'm sure you'll, you appreciate this doing what you do as well, but revenue and profit are outcomes, 
They are not value drivers, mm. right? They are mm. outcomes that from the system that you have built that is what we know is your business. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, and, and and you're right in terms of, you know, you know, a multiple of EBITDA is often the valuation methodology used for a lot of companies. Well, your EBITDA, we could probably argue about what that is anyway <laughs> after we all normalise it and pull different things yeah, out. I mean, right, exactly. <laughs> so, so that's confusing enough. But let's say we can agree on what the EBITDA is. Well, what is that multiple? What is the what are the qualitative elements that go into determining that number? Because it's just as important as EBITDA, and uh, and frankly, for many many companies, it's actually easier to improve that than it is to drive or squeeze more profit out of the bottom end. Yeah, and so we've been a little bit philosophical, Simon. I guess to <laughs> kick it off, but like you know, <laughs> getting into some you know some really practical discussions here. Like, let's maybe step back. Number one, what are the biggest disappointments that you think that that you see at exit? Let's talk about that first. Yeah, yeah. So look, I, I think you know what the a big part of this, Joe, is that people end up exiting sometimes unexpectedly. Yeah. Right. They, they you know, and, and look at let's let's you know, the the natural approach I think for most people is they start a business usually because they're good at something. You know, sometimes they end up, you know, I've, I'm finished working here. I'm good at this thing. I start this business. And often people achieve success that they didn't even expect, you know, so which is wonderful, but it grows into something that has a life of its own. And, and I think for a lot of people who are building businesses, they have this mentality of, well, I'm growing. We're just all heading this direction. Life is good. And exit is kind of this afterthought of, well, I'll kind of get to that later or if I need to. And and I guess my belief around all this sort of stuff, knowing what I know from the experiences I've had and having walked with so many business owners down this path is that you are kind of just growing randomly into the ether and your business is almost sort of leading you yeah. as opposed to saying, well, what what's actually important to get out of my business, right? What are the things that are absolutely really, really critical to me so that when I do cross that finish line, I don't just have you know, a chunk of money that I that ticks a money box for me, I actually am fulfilled as a human being. And I'm going to walk through some some of the core elements of that in a, in a moment. But, you know, I, I just think if you look at most business owners traveling on that journey, I'm growing, growing, growing. The big pain often comes from those unexpected events, right? Yeah. They have a fallout with their business partner. Mm. They want to go in different directions. Philosophically, they're different. They've just grown up. But whatever it is, right, I'm now, you know. Someone's exhausted, you know, because that happens, right? right? You know, they've just been growing so fast and then they're exhausted and then they hate the baby. (laughs) That is a business baby because they just see it as a chain and noose around their neck, you know. Correct, right? It's linking me to this situation that's making me unhappy, right? So, so, hey, when is it time to break up with your partner, right? Like Mm. there are some really interesting questions. What happens if your business partner, who is a critical input to the operations and profitability, what if something tragic happens to them? What if they died or yeah. became permanently incapacitated? What happens? And, and you know what? We've seen this, and I know you've seen this, is my business partner had a terrible accident. They're no longer able to even communicate, let alone function in the business anymore. The shares have now transitioned to their next of kin. Now I'm actually in business with my partner's wife, who mm-hmm. frankly... I used to find her annoying over those dinners we used to have, and she hates my guts. <laughs> and, and, you know, I'm being a little bit facetious here, but, but you know, <laughs> stuff happens, yeah, right? Yeah, you know, and, yeah. And then all of a sudden, actually, I never intended to be in business with that person, yes. and now they are literally holding my business in the palm of their hands, and I can't even make strategic decisions without their okay. 
Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Like nobody goes into business to be in that situation, right? Yeah. But yeah. a lack of exit planning puts people in that position every day. And that's the part, you know, and okay, the extreme, more extreme end of things, right? Mm. Like we wouldn't be talking about it if it, if it wasn't happening regularly, right? Yeah. And, and I think particularly that falling out between owners, you know, yeah. I and he, you know, that's just something we see so often, isn't it? You yeah. know, um, and, and and I'll share one with you. And I, I, it's it's we actually had a client. I, w- I won't even mention industry because it's um yeah. Look, I don't <laughs> I don't want to offend anybody if they work it out. But we we literally had one client. There was two business owners. Um, we actually got them an offer. It was north of a four multiple. It was exceptional for their industry. Mm. Um, and literally, we thought, well, this deal's done. Hallelujah! We're all going to have a great party and celebrate together. But the animosity between these two business partners soured so much in that last sort of couple of months that we had one vendor turn around and say, I'd rather burn this place to the ground than see that person get one cent out of this business. Oh, my goodness. And, we and like, we just, I think we were just stunned, you know, yeah. like you would rather hurt yourself just so you can hurt them. Mm. Now, now, once again, maybe extreme end of the argument, but, but <laughs> this sort of animosity happens. And, yeah. and, you know, how do you put in frameworks and structures to avoid that stuff happening or at least understand early in the piece that perhaps you're not as aligned as you should be? Mm. Can we either realign or do we start taking steps while we're all st- on an amicable basis, you know, of a friendly sort of nature to, to kind of start moving in a different direction? Yeah. Right. What fascinates me is how common it is yeah. that we don't have shareholders agreements that we can turn oh. back to to yeah. use to deal with these situations, you know. Yeah. Um, and, 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 even, and even those who have shareholders agreements, do you know how many people I speak to who, and, and it's, look, number one, it's uncommon they have one. Mm. In the, I'm going to randomly say, it's not random, but I guess I'm, I'm guesstimating here, but I reckon maybe 10% of all my clients have a shareholders agreement, 10%. Yeah. You know, you know, maybe it goes to 15. I'm not sure, but it's low, right? Mm. But even those that have one, they haven't reviewed it in the last number of, you know, two or three years. Yeah. And rarely ever is it fit for purpose, right? (laughs) So the rules of engagement are no longer suiting the game. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, you know, that, that, that's just a recipe for disaster as well. And, and, hey, how many times have you seen where you get down to the pointy end where it's now, you know, lawyers at 10 paces and we're, they're actually starting to argue about the definitions of things in the shareholders agreement, which, which once, upon <laughs> a time, once upon a time they would have been 100% aligned on it, right? But, I but know. Now we're yeah. all arguing what suits our argument, yeah. <laughs> of course, yeah. which is normal. But, yeah, like you, you can't have things getting to that point, right? Yeah. So, so I think I think you know if we come back to some of these principles around exit planning, you know, the number one most important message I want every single business owner to take out of all of this is, what do you want for your life? Because I believe that your business should be a vehicle for delivering you the life you want. Right mm-hmm. now, if you love being the hero of your industry and at the center of things, and all your staff come to you to solve every problem because that makes you feel wonderful and that's the best thing since sliced bread. Good for you. That's awesome. Go for that, you know. But if you're one of these people that says, I actually would love a business to work independently, I'd like a business that generates healthy profits, that it doesn't require me to be there every day, but look, I'll still be involved and I'll do the bit because this is my area of expertise. But, you know, I want a business that delivers me a different kind of life. Well, that's cool too. But whatever you want, be clear on that because, Mm -hmm. you know, once you start getting down the path of these things, it can be hard to change course. 
So the questions, I think, you know, you know, and, and I'm hearing it already, right? A lot of business owners will be saying, well, I'm not sure what I want. I'm not sure. It's, you know, and that's actually a really normal thing to, to feel. Mm. So if anybody out there at the moment is nodding their head and saying, like, that's me, I'm like, you are not alone and what you're going through is absolutely normal and expected. So mm. let me drop a couple of things on, on your lap to, to help you start sort of unpacking that, right? Do it, Simon. We want to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> The first and the most obvious one is valuation, right? Money. Money money is important. Um, and by the way, if anybody, you know, if, if you haven't watched Dan Pink's TED Talk on, on the surprising things that, you know, motivate human beings or that drives human behaviour, go and listen to it. It's really good. It'll change your life, right? Money is important, but only to a point, right? People need to know they're making enough money where they don't need to worry about money anymore, right? And once money is taken off the table as a big issue, everything else becomes far, far, far more important. Okay. So on the money side, is there a valuation? Like if you suddenly had to get out of your business tomorrow, number one, do you need to sell your business to be able to get the capital out so that you can survive and live the life you want? Mm. What does that life look like? Well, you need to do, you have to have a personal budget done. Do you have young kids? My kids are 11 and 13. I've got you know, five and six years of schooling ahead of them, probably universities, probably they're going to have their hand out saying, mum and dad, can you help us get into our first apartment or whatever it is, right? Like we've got a truckload of expenses ahead of us. <laughs> so, you know, for me to pick a number, that number's pretty high to cover all those costs. Mm. If all my kids were grown up and, and moved out of home and had their own families, perhaps my requirement around that valuation might be smaller. My house mm. is paid off, this, that, the other, right? So, so there's an element of financial planning here that says, what kind of a budget do I need to live on? How do I ensure that that income continues to grow every year? What do I need to do? I need to be debt free. Do I want to go on an annual holiday? What, what is important in my life and what's the number I need to deliver that life? Mm. Okay. So that's where valuation is actually important. If your only thing around valuation is I want to get to 10 mil because that makes me feel good about myself. Okay. But that's really not when the chips are down, that's not a driving force. That sort of stuff will get dropped very, very quickly. Can I just add here on this thought about what what I need, you know, for my future discussion? I see business owners doing this, but at the wrong point. Quite often, yes. the time yeah. that they have that thought with themselves is right at that point of exit. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, well, it doesn't matter what you want now because you're only going to get what someone else is going to pay for your business. But what we're talking about is like when we're having this thought process yeah. in, in an early enough point to be able to move the dial to yeah, ultimately it, right? yeah. get, to influence it. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and also, and you think about that too, the added added step to that, of course, is making sure that you've got the right corporate structure and, mm -hmm. you know, you're thinking yeah, about. And, and that tax will be set up right. Yeah, totally so right. that it's what's in your pocket versus what you're actually selling for exactly. So, so I had a client, $30 million business, ready to exit. Um, we hit the point of like, okay, let's um, get ready to pull the campaign together or let's let's go to start planning all this stuff. Looked at the corporate structure, entire business, all the shares still in his personal name. And we just yeah. sat there and went, oh, my goodness. Like, And you can't change it now. It's too late. No. You know, you're going to have a CGT event either way. So anyway, look, we're obviously not here to get too detailed into tax. We'll, we'll no doubt you will invite somebody else into to, who's an expert on that. <laughs> Valuation is important to a point, right? Get clear on what's important in your life. And that number should be informed by those decisions, not by some other kind of surface, you know, level kind of driver. And do the that next, early. 
is the and goal. do it early. That's and right. Yeah, and, and try to think forward as to what your life might look like. I mean, look, we all know no plan survives the first day of battle, but geez, no plan is a really bad way to go and get yourself shot. <laughs> so, so valuation is one of the core core things in exit planning. The second big one is timing, right? And and I always think, you know, how long do you want to keep doing what you're doing, right? Mm. How long do I want to get? It's funny because I talk a lot about exit planning. People say to me, well, what's your exit plan? You know, smart ass. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's well, a good question, right? Because I'm not looking to sell my company. I'm a pretty young guy at the moment, so well, so I say my kids would probably argue differently. <laughs> but um, you know, for me, it was all more about some of the exiting operational stuff, and and exiting can take lots of different levels, right? Mm. You start to get out of some of the day to day. You start to work on some of the bigger strategic stuff. You start working in different ways, you know. So you're exiting different elements of your business at different times, and you know, fundamentally, though. You know, I, I live by this belief that whether you want to sell your company one day or not, you should build a, a company that is saleable. Yeah. And if you do that, if something unexpected happens, you can exit and you mm. can, whether it's passing it down to the next generation or selling it or whatever those exit options might look like, you've got choice. Mm. And and that is the big thing, right? We, I think we can all agree here that life throws unexpected stuff at you. And, you know, how do you prepare yourself or be have a robust enough structure to be able to take those unexpected hits and pivot and turn and still get what you want, right? Mm. Mm. So, so timing. How long do you want to keep doing what you're doing is a big one. Some people are more moving towards retirement age and they will say to me, Simon, I just need to be out in within 18 months or my wife will kill me. Cool. <laughs> So for them, <laughs> that 18-month time driver actually might be more important than the valuation, right? They'll just yeah. say, hey, listen, like the value is what it is. They kind of recognise they can't suddenly revolutionise their business in the next 18 months. So it's, a uh, Simon, I just want to be out in 18 months. What can we do to maximise the value in the time that we've got, right? Mm. Other clients I speak to who say, Simon, I'm in growth mode. I don't want to get out for, you know, probably 10 years or more, right? Like I'm thinking about growing. Mm. So why do I need to think of an exit plan? And I'll say, well, like what are you growing towards, right? Mm. Where are you going? Mm. So and why? How do you know if you've achieved success? Do, does that move every year? Am, mm. I, am I loving myself? Am I hating myself? I hit it. I didn't hit it. Well, the goalpost moved again. Like if you crossed a line in five years' time where you were, were achieving all of your financial, personal legacy goals, all that sort of stuff, it actually might make sense for you to just exit, even though you weren't planning on initially exiting. Mm. Like you've now achieved everything that your business wanted, you know, wanted it to achieve. So isn't that a wonderful position to be in? And if you want to keep going, you can, but wow, we crossed that line already and now I know no matter what happens, I'm a fulfilled human being. Right. Well, that makes you a pretty good member of society, I find. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and on that point, do you find, does it happen very often that people come in for this exit planning discussion and they identify something that they just haven't seen before and, and that that impacts then how the plan evolves? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Like, And it's funny because I have clients who come to me saying, Simon, I want to sell. And then after we go through a bit of a process and we get to the core of what's driving them as a, as a human, as a person, Often we find they don't want to sell, right? Mm. They actually just want to solve certain problems yes. in their business that they that they just couldn't get their head around. Yeah. And and once we help them do that, they, we've had plenty of clients fall in love with their business again, right? And mm. just go, oh my goodness, like selling is actually not even on the agenda anymore. It's mm. uh, you know, wow, let's now open up our exit planning and thinking to you know five plus years now because just we love life. 
Mm-hmm. Um, of course, the flip side of it happens where people come to me and saying, Simon, I want to grow and um, we're going to take over the world. And, and then when you get to the heart of what drives them personally, you go, actually, do you know that if you wanted to just sell today, we can achieve all of your financial goals in one go. You can no longer have the stress of running the business and dealing with all the people dramas and whatever else it is in your business that's causing you concern. And you can go back to being the specialist technician that you've always enjoyed being. And you see people just go, oh, my goodness, is that possible? (laughs) Can I actually go back and stop dealing with all this stuff that I just don't enjoy in the first place? Yeah. It's really fascinating. It's it's really interesting watching people and and, and really – I must say it is actually an honour to to help people along that journey, right? It's, you know, if you can actually give them a different view on things and help them understand that they can tackle situations from a different perspective or angle, mm. that's a real pleasure. It's one of the greatest things in my job. So, um, oh, Do you yeah. know what? And I feel the same way. I just feel that this, uh, you know, this industry that we're in, it, it it's life-changing yeah. for Many of our clients, um, you know, even even the multiple acquirers, it's so impactful. But and I guess what we're saying right here is, but step back before you're going down this journey because maybe the outcome that you think you want isn't actually the right outcome, right? Absolutely right. What are the drivers? And you know that brings brings me to the last point. You know, so we've talked about valuation, we've talked about timing. The third big piece is legacy. And legacy is a kind of funny one, right? Because a lot of people go, oh, legacy, they think it's because, you know, I've got the Bedard and Associates, my name is on the door or something, and that, that it's, will that name go forth and, and do good things still? And, and, and look, and that is, that's a part of legacy, right? It happens with lawyers a lot, a lot. Yeah, well, so. I was going to say, name on the door is actually not a great strategy for exit anyway, but, you know. <laughs> totally right. Totally. But the people who've gone down that path, it starts to become, it can become an issue. Well, hang on, you're going to keep trading under my name. How do I feel about that, right? So if they're selling, of course. But legacy plays a part in different ways and it's the kind of these are the subtle ways that I think most business owners don't think about this until they're kind of sometimes deep in a transaction. What will, you know, let's just say you've been in business for 20 years, 30 years, 50 years, some of my clients, right? Yeah. Their suppliers, some of them they've been in business with their suppliers for 30, 40 years. Yeah. Some of their customers have been customers for 30, 40 years. Some of their employees have been around for 30, 40 years, right? Mm. So all of a sudden they start having this moment of thinking, oh, but I'm going to, if I sell this business, what are those people going to think about me? Yeah. What will happen to them? What yeah. will happen to the relationship they have with my company? Yeah. What will, what all this dynamic that I have been so proud of myself and so proud of the relationship I've cultivated and, and frankly call them friends. Half of them have been to my wedding. Mm. I, like, what, what does that mean? Will they feel I've betrayed them if, if something bad happens or if that relationship is not respected in the way I see that it should be? And can I tell you, I have seen, it's such a good point that you're making because, number one, it is just not recognised from the outset that this might come up as a, it's just not part of that that usual methodical process that we plot out for, for yeah. exit, right? It's just not, and it should be, it needs to go on the checklist. I'm, I'm adding a note here right now, Simon, it's going on the checklist. But pe- yeah. my clients will look at me and think we're, you know, we're mental until they experience it. But I have yeah. to say, I have seen some real doozies after exit when this is only recognised after the exit has happened, not in the beginning, because this is part of the evaluation of how I'm going to do it, who I'm going to sell it to, what it's going to look like, right? You need this is critical to do early and it can 
it can result in a massive issue if yeah. you're only recognizing it at the end. At, well, yeah, and that's right because it's hard to it's hard to change. It's hard to turn a big mm. sh- ship when it's already in motion, right? 100%. It takes a long time to turn it around. So, yeah. you know, one one of the funny questions I always ask our clients, and and a lot of them think I'm weird, but you know. My kids once again are laughing at the moment in agreement. So, um, but one of the questions we always ask is like, if you were to have a, like a, an event, a party, a big party, it's a celebration, at, and and you're holding it at your house, right? Would you invite all of your staff, some of your staff, or none of your staff, right? Because it actually gives some insight into how you think about those people in your office, right? And if there's, you know, if you if you would invite a lot or a big chunk or a majority of your staff then I would suggest that the crossover of your work and personal relationships is probably pretty deep. Mm. And the way you think about exiting and how it might impact them will be different to somebody else who goes, I wouldn't invite anybody. I don't have personal relationships with my staff like that. Mm. Mm. (laughs) So, I love that this is on your list, Simon. This sounds like a really deep list. (laughs) (laughs) It is, absolutely. And and, and you know what? The funny thing is, you know, you've tried to put some system and process around stuff, but the outcome is different every single time because we're all different, right? The way we approach things, our businesses, our lifestyle, our circumstances, we're, we're all the same for the things we go through, but we're all different in terms of how it turns out, right? So um, so it's interesting. But, you know, I, I think if we were to sort of circle back and and, and cognizant of, uh, of, of time here too, Joe, but it's, it's one of those things, you know, there's a process to get to the heart of what you really want but then there's also, I think, a bunch of really, really important risk mitigation strategies that people need to put in place. Mm. Um, getting a shareholders agreement done properly, um, yeah. you know, and there's a lot of factors that go into that. Like, don't go online and think you're going to download a shareholders agreement and somehow yeah. that's going to be suitable for you. Wrong. That is, that's exactly how you get yourself into trouble. So much more but, complex than people understand, right? Definitely. So- Definitely. And and I get asked a lot about key man insurance, you know, mm. which is what happens if somebody died or some event happened. And, you know, and I think th- th- these are all issues to to unpack in another session because they, they, they literally deserve their own time. But, you know, how does the exit plan, the shareholders agreement, key man insurance, how do those things come together to manage risk for a business owner? Mm. Love it. And, uh, well, uh, now we're talking about it, I think what we'll do is we really need to dig into these um, subjects a bit more. But, I mean, what a brilliant overview of it all. And, you know, starting from that core philosophy that business owners that we see, there really is a large amount of disappointment at exit when people haven't stepped back and done this exit planning well in advance, right? That That's the reality. Definitely. Um, and both you and I are just really driven. We want to see, we want to see these business owners happy in their business and happy at exit, you know? Yeah, they- absolutely. I, I want to see my clients after they've sold or exited or whatever it is, when I we do a little check-in and catch up with them three or six months later. You know, it's the guys who come out with a smile or, God, I don't mean guys as in just guys, guys and girls, people. It's the people that come out with a big smile on their face and throw their arms around you and go, thank you. What I you know. said was really happened. You know, it did I happen. Know. I feel so good about this now and yes. all the worries, you were right. It's And it's because they put the things, that you know, all the right things in place in the right sort of timing. So yeah. I have clients that, you know, I've worked on the exit for decades ago like I've got one client who I we we sold his business 12 years ago and was was a really good business 
Mm. Um, but we got, you know, and you can get quite close during these transactions because there's Definitely. a lot of stuff that you work through sometimes yeah, in, yeah. in more complex businesses. But I still, he still sends me photos at least once a year of where he's off holidaying. Well, these days not holidaying overseas, you know, <laughs> right at the moment. But And I'm just like, that's what I love. That's what yeah. I love. The, but can I tell you, that particular client, he didn't, after, after the business was sold, he continued going back into the office for eight months every day after the business sold <laughs> until he I'm like, what on earth are you still doing going back in there when I call and just say hi and see how it's going, you know, a couple of months later. He's like, oh, I'm still tired, you know. So it took him a while to, while to emotionally extricate himself. But I, I love that. I love that story, you know, where our clients have been completely fulfilled by, one, the story of what they've built, but, two, the way that they've been able to exit it. And I think it's a real joy when we can get there early enough and help them orchestrate this in, in a beautiful way, you know? And, and look, and I think that the thing is too is it's, when people go through this process, it's not just about saying I'm going to pick the one way I'm going to exit. Going through the process actually helps people understand themselves, understand what's important in their life, their family and everything else. And what a lot of people miss is that by going through that process now, even if you're not wanting to get out for 10 or 20 years, right? Having thought through that will help you make better decisions on your journey. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes it's just going, looking at things that pop up and we're all guilty of, you know, chasing shiny things and latest opportunities and whatever it might be. But sometimes things pop up and you go, actually, that's just going to, while it sounds amazing, it's going to take us in a direction that's actually in contravention to our core personal beliefs, values, direction, like mm. sounds fab, but actually not where we're trying to go. And mm. now because I know that, I can make that decision unemotionally and really be comfortable that I'm moving in this other way without feeling the angst of, you know, the old FOMO, right? Oh, maybe I should have done it. Maybe I shouldn't. No, you actually knew 100% that that wasn't right for you. And yeah. so it actually, an exit plan is really just the flip side, you know, of the same coin of a growth plan, right? Yeah. Get them hand in hand and you'll be more likely to get the better outcome. Simon, I just want to say a massive thank you. Like who knew we were going to get to so deep today and who knew <laughs> that an exit plan, I mean we knew, but, you, you know, <laughs> that an exit plan can be life and business changing, you know. Yeah. It's not just about something that you do because you're thinking of selling next year, right. It's yeah. something that every business owner should be doing right at the beginning. It should be at the core of what you do, not an afterthought when you when the, the horse is bolted and you're, you know, already far down the track. Right at the yeah. core of everything you do should be where am I going and why. Get that right, everything else starts to become a lot clearer. I love it. And if our listeners out there, if it strikes a chord, which it has for me, where can we sign up now? <laughs> How do they contact you, Simon? What's the oh, next look, step with you guys? It, just reach out. I mean, you can contact us via the web, exitadvisory.com.au. You can email me directly if you like, Simon at Exit Advisory. So um, look, reach out. All of our details are there. There's so many ways people can get in contact with me. Um, but check out the website if you like. It's probably an easy way for people to get more of a sense of things. And uh, look, we're around. Hopefully you feel we're at least approachable. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Absolutely love it, Simon. Simon, it's 
always a pleasure. Um, it was just a fabulous discussion today. Um, and for our listeners, we've got some exciting things on the radar, actually. We've got some webinars coming up where we're really going to drill into these subjects in a lot more detail. So check out the show notes. Um, and if you're listening to this in time, you can register. And if not, well, there'll be ways for you to get the content afterwards. Simon, thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure as always. Uh, no, thank you, Joe. Pleasure for me. And thanks again for having me on. Well, that's it for this episode of the Deal Room podcast. Of course, today we have been talking all about the critical reasons why business owners are disappointed at exit and what to do about it. If you'd like more information about this topic, then just head over to our website at www.thedealroompodcast.com. And there you will be able to find out how you can get in contact with Simon and his team at Exit Advisory. And of course, you'll also be able to find out how you can book in a discussion with one of our legal eagles if you are looking to build your business up for an eventual exit or indeed if you are looking at an acquisition in the near future. We have services to assist both small and large organisations in preparing for an exit or in dealing with acquisitions. And we'd love to work with you or your clients in any of these spaces. Well, thanks again for listening in. You've been listening to Joanna Oki and the Deal Room Podcast, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. See you next time. Aspect Legal has a number of great services that help businesses prepare for a sale or acquisition to help them prepare in advance and to get transaction ready. We've also got a range of services to help guide businesses through the sale and acquisitions process. We work with clients both big and small and have different types of services depending on size and complexity. We provide a free consultation to discuss your proposed sale or acquisition. So see our show notes on how to book a time to speak with us or head over to our website at aspectlegal.com.au. Ladies and gentlemen, that will conclude this evening's entertainment. Thanks for listening to The Deal Room Podcast. To find out more about this episode and other episodes in the series, check out the show notes or head over to our website at thedealroompodcast.com.au. 